are the trauma healing learnings based on one mom's journal entries recorded in real time from a catastrophic event with her son that you've been listening to in the blink of an eye story. Season 2, Trauma Healing Learning 20, Southern Exposure. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Hello, everyone. If you're following along in the companion blink of an eye story, you know we just took an inside look at a very difficult decision-making process and also got an inside glimpse of how a specialized spinal cord injury rehabilitation center makes their decisions regarding whom to accept into their program. Today, I want to explore the topic of difficult decision-making and weave it into the concept of relational capacity and the somatic experience we can feel when we have made the right decision. So let's start with relational capacity. We all have relational capacity. What is relational capacity, you might be asking? A relational capacity is a capacity we have as part of our birthright as human beings to be neither victims nor victimizers. It's a belief system that human beings have worth, have dignity, and we treat each other that way despite our differences. It's a radical worldview to look at the world and our choices through a relational lens because it challenges what we take for granted and what we miss or stuff we pretend is not there or imagine is against us when it's just a momentary fracture in human interaction. Relational capacity is the bedrock of being relational, which is a way of being, a way of living that promotes well-being by making relational choices, even in difficult times. We know this is especially difficult to do in times of scarcity and constriction, like when we are at odds with someone else or afraid of something or think someone is going to hurt us. It's especially hard to do when we have experienced trauma. And we all know why that is, because of what happens to our thinking and to our bodies related to conflict and threat. You might want to review Trauma Healing Learning 12, Mounting Pressure, and Trauma Healing Learning 4, Just stay alert from this season, season two. At the heart of being relational is a belief, a deep belief, that despite fractures in human interaction and despite differences, we all have human capacity to act with strength, and to use our emotional energy as fuel 
to foster and manifest what is possible for yourself and others that is good, that is right, that is in alignment with higher purpose. Yes, even in crisis and difficult times and even in trauma. I like to think of being relational as living into being fully human, despite those differences and setbacks, and perhaps even because of our differences and our challenges. Fully human, strong and still open, open to other perspectives, open to something else, open to what really is a fuller, more complete view of reality. You see, relational capacity, a relational mindset, and a relational skill set can help you navigate your life with greater clarity, more ease, and can help you through very difficult decision-making. It's this unwavering belief in what is possible, an unwavering belief that despite conflict, we can be resilient, we can engage, and we can find something valuable that is good for you and others, living fully into the now of what is good. And if it is not good, inviting something good and even pushing into the next of what could be good. It's a delicate dance to be relational because truly wanting well-being for ourselves and others includes discipline, discernment, and forbearance. Yes, we know we will face conflict in our lives. We know we will be with people who rub us the wrong way. We also know we might even face a crisis or two in our lives and have others who erect barriers to our personal growth, who hold us back and become obstacles. Relational capacity is many things related to the practice of choice-making that fosters good and decision-making that furthers well-being. And sometimes that might include challenging others or advocating in the face of institutional resistance. Being relational is a way of being that consciously refuses to be beat down to believe that this is all there is, that we are doomed or stuck or hopeless or alone or abandoned. And it is a conscious refusal to accept or believe that that is what others want as well. But when we are not in alignment with ourselves, and I might add a higher purpose, not in, shall we say, flow, 
We make choices that are limited and restricted. We do. We often give up. And this can be an expected human tendency or one of many that capitulates to conflict or setback. But with a simple shift in focus of attention, neither blocking the negative nor resisting the obstacle, but rather inviting in a new thought pattern, inviting in a new possibility, we can experience feeling a physical sensation of being more relaxed. We can actually experience somatically a feeling that we are back on solid ground, that we have regained our steadiness. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Of course you do, because this has happened to you too. That shift of attention is a relational choice, what we call a relational move. It's relational because it was conscious, intentional, and it was good for you. And it's good for the other person you impact or influence. And it restores well-being to both of you, or all of you, as it goes. The physical feeling we can get when we intentionally shift our attention or when we simply have a moment of awareness, what I like to think of as the little God winks, these are the physical aspects of relational shifts. We haven't spent a lot of time or research in Western culture on the somatic experience of such shifts but they literally set you at ease. And every person I've ever asked or taught about such shifts recognizes them. Yes, yes, this, that's happened to me, they will say. And when you shift and I shift from an experience of being confused mentally and then upset or angry or scared, and then tight and physically clutched in some way, restricted and constricted, or not in flow. But then when something happens and we sense into a different kind of shift, a sense of ease, of relief, of being restored, even for a moment, I believe these little physical shifts have a direct impact on our health and our well-being, on your physical health and well-being. In a moment, these shifts can deflate your puffed-up pride. They can soothe your open emotional wounds. They can feel like an emotional balm for your uptight body when your head hurts or your stomach aches. These shifts have a physical correlation to health of our bodies, 
In other words, the more often you experience some awareness of what it is that constricts you in your thinking, say, judgment mind, and you name that negative quality, judgment mind, and then shift your attention to something that is positive about the experience, such that you allow in a positive emotional shift, you're that much closer to experiencing a physical, somatic shift. And that is where the release of the emotional clamp of judgment that keeps you constricted. And it's also likely related to an unresolved conflict of your past resides. And so it is for trauma as well. Trauma is often trapped in the cells of our bodies, especially the traumas of our childhood and our youth. Those traumas upset the natural development of our young central nervous systems. If you're shut down or hyper, such as being ultra sensitive or ultra prickly or ultra fragile or ultra reactive to certain people or events, you can lift your awareness to naming that. Just do it to yourself. It's an inside job. You can say reactive, but don't judge yourself. Instead, Shift your attention to something positive about the experience, such as, I have an emotion about this. This can allow in, maybe for the first time, a positive emotional experience, rather than just a reactive experience that likely sprang from repressed trauma. And this awareness plus openness to yourself without judgment might begin a new pathway that invites the release of some of the trapped trauma from long ago. It can really help to start this process with someone else as well. But regardless whether you do it on your own or with someone, repeat it and practice it over and over. Others around you will notice you seem different, more relaxed. These shifts can serve to rewire the patterns of your central nervous system. These shifts help restore well-being. It all starts with awareness. Relational, mental shifts happen all the time. Just track yourself on any given day and then notice how those mental shifts produce emotional shifts, which produce physical shifts in your body. I am sure you can track them in your own life. When you felt one way 
which was, say, judgment mind, or closed mind, or angry mind. And then something happened, and you felt a very different way. And it was okay again. You were not so angry anymore. Did you also notice you were a little less tight, a little less constricted? <sighs> yeah, that's right. You were back to a feeling of ease. These experiences happen to us all the time. The more relational awareness we bring to our lives. See how often you notice this about yourself today, tomorrow, throughout the week. And for those of you following along with me in the blink of an eye story, you know that this is what happened to me on this day in the story in a very profound way. Our decision to figure out how to get to the Shepherd Center if Archer were steady enough to be transported, and if we could find a means to transport him safely, was one of the big shifts. And of course, you know, there was another. It was moving from a feeling that was very tight and even had a blind spot, was very closed as doctors said there were no options and very stark, feeling pressured by time, and that even the hospital might be against us, placing institutional obstacles in our path. It was a shift to a mental thought that there was something more. And that mental thought gathered some steam through engagement and new information. And that interaction allowed in a different emotional experience, hopefulness, where we said, this might be possible, and then strength to advocate for it. When I realized it felt very right. It was that growing sense of confidence as I learned more and more about the Shepherd Center that created that somatic feeling of new, solid ground. That whole experience with all the shifts that cumulatively created a yes was what I referred to as the Southern Exposure, since we were in Atlantic City and the Shepherd Center was in Atlanta. But I'll tell you something else about what I meant by Southern exposure. It was the physical sensation I had. I knew at the end of the day in my head and in my heart that uprooting was the right decision if we could manage to have the other parts align. But I was still looking for that feeling in my body that somatic feeling to let me know it was the right decision. It was such a big decision we were making and one that had so many risks 
attached to it, and so many unknowns. I had learned years prior when I was renovating a new office space that each of us, you and I, has a direction that our bodies feel most right facing. You have a direction too, a literal direction your body feels best, most at ease facing. It's a direction where you feel most relaxed, a direction where you do your best work, a direction where you do your most creative work, your best thinking. Maybe you have not considered this before. Maybe you have. Your direction can be something you cultivate over time, related to the physical shifts you begin to track in your body. And if you know your natal chart, you can get a little boost in what direction may be calling your name. Now, you don't have to be interested in astrology or the heavens to know you do have a unique place in the world. You were born into this world at a certain time of day, a certain moment. And that exact moment and place is not going to be repeated for thousands and thousands of years. You are unique. I do love the stars because they have guided humankind for eons across the deserts and across the seas and because they're part of the universe made by God. So whether it is the heavens that guide you or the ground that supports you, you do have a direction. You might want to find out more about your own direction with a consult with a feng shui expert. I have been interested in feng shui for many years, myself, my family, and my staff. For me, facing south, is a good direction. So back in the blink of an eye story, as Dutch and I left Atlanticare Hospital that evening, I said to Dutch, we might be spending some time in the South, Dutchie. And I literally turned and held my phone up to find that Compass app to see in what direction South was from that hospital lobby as he and I walked to our car. And it was then that I remembered that South was my direction. And ironically, it was only ironically, Atlanta was South. I and mean, actually it was Southwest from Atlantic City. But the point is that it didn't matter where the Shepherd Center was located. It could have been Northeast or West. What mattered was the direction I was facing. I can ask my body if a particular decision is for the highest and best good and check in with my body to see if it feels right. It does take a lot of practice and I'm not suggesting you rely only on this for important decisions, but I am suggesting that we all become more familiar with the wisdom 
in our bodies. It's the same feeling we get when we experience somatic shifts. There is an ease, a restored alignment to something larger than just what our cognitive intellect can take in. So when I checked in to see how the decision felt somatically for us to make it possible for Archer to go to Atlanta, it was just another good data point. It felt right. It wasn't a done deal, but I felt we were headed in the right direction. I slept well that night. So when we make big decisions, the somatic feeling you can get when you're moving in a certain direction might be a helpful guide. I wanted to introduce that into our learning about trauma and trauma healing because our bodies carry so much wisdom and you can literally face a direction, your direction, north, south, east, west, northeast, northwest, and so on. And your body can tell you if a decision you are making feels right. Yes, like I said, it takes a little practice to develop somatic awareness. But you might just be more aware of it now. And you don't have to know your preferred direction because your body already holds great wisdom for trauma healing. Just ask it and follow what goes on on the inside. It's part of being grounded, a relational quality we can cultivate for trauma healing. And we can feel the support of the ground that has been there all along. For all of us. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Life is so precious. Sending love. Hope for everything. Obtain everything. Thank you for tuning in to the Trauma Healing Learnings. You may tune in to the companion Blink of an Eye story at Season 2, Episode 20, Southern Exposure. Thank you for listening, and thank you for telling your friends about Blink of an Eye podcast. Together, we are raising the vibration for healing. You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Listen on our website, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by I See That, the Integrative Center for Trauma Healing, Advocacy, and transformation. I See That is a multidisciplinary nonprofit that provides tangible support, trauma healing education, and advocacy 
for those experiencing crisis or trauma. To donate, please visit www.icthat.org. That's the letters I-C-T-H-A-T dot O-R-G.